Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Five, a show where we scare you, we excite you, we give you action-packed thrills and adventure. This week's top five, top five thrillers movies, because there are thriller TV shows. Right. Uh, thrillers. Uh, here's a movie that I didn't expect to be a thriller, Matthew. This is not part of my top five, but I watched it just mm-hmm. recently. In fact, mm-hmm. I watched it this past weekend on Apple Plus. The new Tetris movie. Uh, is what? all about yeah no it's the it's the quote unquote true story of how they got Tetris out of Russia and how you know it was Nintendo this independent guy this other guy and um this British scumbag guy all <laughs> vying to try to be the one who could get the rights to Tetris so that mm-hmm. they could ship it worldwide surprise Nintendo wins in the end but it's really cool it is really cool it keeps you on the edge of your seat. And it might be something that people want to check out. I can't put it in my top five. It was very good, but right. it was uh, it was something to check out. And it's brand new. Thriller's coming out every single day. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so my number five, though, is one that I think I'm trying to remember. This came out in 2014. So I can't remember if my wife was homesick or if she was uh, waiting for a baby to be born or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is Gone Girl by Ooh. David Fincher. And the story behind this is this woman wants to fake her own murder so that her husband gets the blame for it, goes to jail, and secretly she's been fine until she actually gets kidnapped and has to uh, save herself. And it is bizarre. It is twisted. You never know what's going to happen next. And I remember I watched it, and then I was like, the wife, you really need to watch this movie. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. You watch it. I'm going to go away for a while, and then I'll come back when it's over. And she was like, no, this is this movie has just messed with my mind. I can't believe it. And it's one of those where it's just like, no, 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 no kind of movies. Uh, but Gone, Gone Girl, David Fincher is really good at uh, loading you up with some really good thriller action. I guarantee you that he's going to appear at least one more time on my list. But Gone Girl from 2014, uh, it has I believe this is the one that has the Ben Affleck in it uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Emily Ratchajowski. And uh, Rosamund Pike, uh, those are some of the big names in that. So you definitely uh, Neil Patrick Harris is in. Yeah, Neil Patrick Harris. I don't want to tell you who he is, but he is definitely in it as well. So uh, definitely go and check out 2014's Gone Girl from David Fincher and the rest. Matthew, what do you have for your number five? My number five is also one by a director that I admire. And if you've listened to this show and especially Zach on film, but any of the major spoilers podcasts, you'll know I'm not a director guy. I'm not somebody who follows a director around, but um, because I don't necessarily think genre, I was thinking to myself, what is a thriller? So I went literally to Wikipedia and I entered list of thrillers and I went year by year through every movie made since, you know, 1867 or whenever they started making films. And I just clicked on the ones that if it's on, 
I stop. And my first one was in 1932 by Todd Browning, who Todd Browning is a big name in horror and thriller and, you know, early, really scary, scary messing with your head films. And of course, uh, for me, his magnum opus, his masterpiece is Freaks from 1932. Um, Now, when I saw it, it was under a very unkind title called Nature's Mistakes. Um, But this particular movie, I don't know if it fell into public domain or if people just went, yeah, it's a, you know, public domain, but it was a pre-code film. So they got away with things that you wouldn't get away with in most Hollywood movies of the time. And many of the actors were in fact circus folk who basically did the jobs that their characters did, which was work in the sideshow and, you know, fright the straights. But if you sit and watch this film, and I did recently because I wanted to show it to the child, it is slow. It's 1930s slow, but it builds and it builds and it builds. And even though I felt like in in my mind, it's always a horror film. I feel like the thriller really works here because it builds to this moment. And throughout the thing, we have these emotional beats and then we get to the big dun, dun, dun. And we get that horrible, horrible ending that gave me nightmares when I was a kid. If you haven't seen it, um, I don't think it's streaming anywhere. I literally had to wait until it showed up on like Turner classic movies at three in the morning, but definitely check it out. If you can, if you get a chance, because it's a movie about class conflict. It's a movie about quasi horror. It's a movie about how new people come in and ruin everything. And so now we're going to punish them or are we? Um, But yes, 1932's Freaks is my number five. Yeah. You can get that on a variety of different places. It's not in the public domain. It's still owned by uh, Warner brothers, but it's on a bunch of uh, what I would suggest. Anytime people are like, Ooh, can I watch this now? Go to a website called just watch.com and it will tell you where things are streaming or where you can buy them. Uh, For example, freaks currently available to rent on Apple TV and uh, you can watch it streaming on a service called classics. Or and huh. it's classics with an X at the end. Oh, so like there you do. go. Very good. All right. My number four is one that I am just amazed by this movie on so many different levels because it is a. It is an it, it, it tries to make being a peeping Tom acceptable. It's trying mm-hmm. to say being a voyeur is fine until oh, it's no. not. And I'm talking about Alfred Hitchcock's 1954 Rear Window, starring James Stewart, who is a, a photojournalist, and he's involved mm-hmm. in a uh, car accident where he was shooting a car and the car exploded or had a wreck, and it caused him to break his legs, and he's in a wheelchair. And mm-hmm. the only way that he's able to occupy himself, uh, occasionally his housekeeper will come by, or his girlfriend, played, played by uh, Grace Kelly, will come by. The only thing that occupies his time is him spying on all of his neighbors in the uh, apartments across the way from him. And so he sees the lonely house lady. He sees the young ingenue dancer. He sees the party people. He sees a murder or what he thinks is a murder. And he is trying to prove that one of his neighbors, played by uh, Raymond Burr, uh, is actually uh, killed his wife. And bury the body. And it's really good because uh, the set was specifically built to 
make sure that you could see into all of the. So imagine building an entire apartment complex, but building right. four of them so that people can walk around and do their daily live stuff. But it was also built with the lens that or that um, not Orson Welles, that Alfred Hitchcock wanted to use in uh, the piece so that everything would kind of fit. And there are moments where you're like, oh, my gosh, because James Stewart can't do anything. Uh, where he sends his girlfriend, Grace Kelly, across the way to break into the apartment, try, try to find proof. And then uh, Raymond uh, Burr comes over and tries to kill uh, James Stewart in the process. It gets it gets pretty tense and it gets you kind of on the edge of your seat. And the first time I saw this is like, wow, they're really letting somebody just be a peeping Tom and and uh, see out on the neighborhood and solve a crime in the process. But it is still very fascinating to watch. And I would ch- uh, suggest that people go and check it out. 1954's Rear Window. Wow, that's a good one. Um, it is a good one. I, I thought you were going to say another movie, which I don't want to say because it may turn up later on your list, but remind me later uh, to ask you about another movie. About with that same Tom's. Okay. Yeah, about right. Keeping Tom. All right. Uh, my number two, as we travel through well, the universe. We're on our number fours, so don't, don't oh, get too right. far ahead of yourself. <laughs> The second one that I'm going to do, which is my number four, because we started five and counter way down. Welcome to top right. five. I'm having a day. I don't usually get to go first, so I'm a little psyched. Um, but here's the thing. My number four jumps almost four decades. And it's not that there weren't movies in there. It's that I clicked on them and I clicked on them. And then I got to 1973, Enter the Dragon. And I went, boom. And it says right here, martial arts thriller film. So I, it, this, this counts. It's on the list of thrillers. But more importantly, this is the final film of Bruce Lee before his untimely death. And it features some of the tensest stunt work I have ever seen. There's, of course, the legendary sequence where Bruce is in the Hall of Mirrors and he's, you know, chasing down the evil Mr. Han. And... You keep seeing the keep giving him a pizza and says, this right. is our time, Mr. Han. This is our time. We're both here. No, you're thinking of a different movie. However, now I'm going to go and I'm going to tell an AI to do a picture of fast times with uh, Bruce Lee playing Spicoli. All right. Hold, do on. That hold on. Later hold on. Hold on. Let me, let me, let me, I'll do it while you're talking about the rest <laughs> of this. <laughs> All right. But the whole thing about this movie is that theoretically, the star of the movie is actually John Saxon, uh, who is a fellow martial artist actor. But if you watch the movie, no, John Saxon is nothing in this movie. It's all about Lee and Jim Kelly, who I believe also played uh, Black Belt Jones a year later after being in Enter the Dragon. But it's, mm, oh man, it's tense, it's fraught, it's filled with you know, bits and pieces of, oh, what's going on? How are we, you know, going to break into this secret island? We wouldn't have Enter the Dragon, or without Enter the Dragon, we wouldn't have Mortal Kombat. You know, we wouldn't have Street Fighter. We wouldn't have a lot of the modern tropes that we think of for the martial arts, the wushu, the kung fu movies. But we also wouldn't have a lot of action movie tropes because there's a long and involved sequence where, Bruce is just out and they're in the middle of a circle of people and people keep trying to defeat him. And uh, this giant gentleman named Bolo comes out and they're going to fight. And I'm like, Oh, this is just like, 
you know, um, when you get to the end of that movie with Patrick Swayze and he lifts Jennifer Grey over his head, it's like that, only kicking him right in the face. Again, uh, as with Freaks, if you've never seen Enter the Dragon, A, just scroll around your cable channels at weird hours of the day because it may pop up. And B, once you see it, when you hit it, wherever you find it, just sit and watch it. Just sit and let it wash over you. And I feel like you'll come out of it better for the experience. My number four, Enter the Dragon. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so if you have ever wanted to watch a movie that has Emperor Snoke, mm-hmm. Alfred the Butler, Batman, Wolverine, and Scarlet Witch all together, <laughs> along with one of the greatest singers of all time, then by all means, you need to rush right out and you need to watch The Prestige. The Prestige (laughs) is a fascinating, it's a fascinating uh, movie about two competing stage magicians. Uh, One is driven by, I need to prove that this man is a fraud and that he is, and you know, stealing, not only stealing my act, but is responsible for the love of my life dying. Uh, And the other one who is just trying to, I think, try to create one of the greatest magic tricks of all time. And in the process, they do some in the story. They create some real magic uh, in in the form of of David Bowie as Nikola Tesla and clones and where, you know, follow the ball kind of things throughout the bit. It's a mystery. Again, it's one that keeps you on the edge of your seat because you don't know what's going to happen next with these two, how they're going. Are they going to end up killing one another? It's a really good revenge thriller that takes you kind of all over the place as far as the time period and what was going on in late Victorian era uh, magic world. It's the prestige. It's directed by Christopher Nolan. It's one that I have tended to watch probably about once a year since it came out in uh, 2006, I find it very fascinating. I I find it much better than the other one that came out in that same year that also is about two magicians who are fighting one another, which I forget what the name of that one is. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely check out The Prestige. It's got some stuff that when you get to the shocking, shocking ending, you're like, no way that this actually is happening until <laughs> it does. So there you go. That is that is The Prestige. And I will say that Mid Journey has completed... It's art, Matthew, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's OK. It I don't know if it's it's quite Jeff Spicoli, but it's mm-hmm. definitely in the same vein. I will share it with you momentarily while you're talking about your number three. My number three is perhaps one of my favorite. I bumped into it movies because I never took it seriously when I was younger. Um, as you know, I've said many a time, we'll kind of flashback to the days when I would sit and watch channel 41 out of Kansas city in the dead of night and movies would come on and movies would pop up and you'd be like, Oh, here's this movie. But when I saw 1979's the warriors, I was like, Oh, well this is nothing. And then later on, as I aged and as I, you know, kind of grew into having more of a, what's the word I'm looking for, brain. Um, I sat and I watched The Warriors and realized that The Warriors is just an amazing experience. It is very 1979. So you have characters with feathered hair. You have characters wearing, you know, 
their big jeans and characters running around in a vest with no shirt, but it's really the story of a few soldiers trying to fight their way through enemy territory. Um, it's a very classic tale in a lot of ways and was sort of based on the Anabasis, which is a very, very, very old story. Right? I don't remember if it was by Plato or uh, Dick Van Patten, but uh, the thing about the warriors that I remember from my youth was that since it was about street gangs, they had some street gang problems with the films and it, be- it became sort of notorious for gangs coming to the movie and then having gang violence here and there. But if you watch it in the year 2020, whatever it is, uh, hello, future people, and you sit down and you just sort of watch this whole film. It builds the tension so wonderfully. And the characters, they break up and then they recoalesce. They move around. Characters die. One character dies because the actor irritated the director and walked off the set. And so the next scene they shot was him being thrown in front of a subway train, which was fine. But when you get to the end of the film and the, you, know, you have the final shootout for lack of a better word there are no actual shootings in this particular portion of the movie but when you get to that final conflict and then it resolves with a sudden thing from the other side it could almost be a deus ex machina except for the fact that it's perfect it makes perfect sense and the movie sets it all up really well everybody in this movie grows up to be somebody uh, one guy grows up to be the guy from Xanadu, and one guy grows up to be uh, the guy from uh, a different movie on my list. And one guy, I think, if I'm not mistaken, grows up to be one of the characters in Black Lightning. So if you have never seen The Warriors, um, you're not alone. And you may recall years and years ago, we had an episode of Top 5 where The Warriors was trashed, and I, I was very upset. It is now here to be redeemed. It's, it's a redemption story, my friends. The Warriors, my number three. Eh, it's still not that great of a movie, but it serves its That's purpose. That's a great it, thriller. It, it, serves, it. it serves its purpose, right? That's oh, what it does. How con Now, if you want something that does get you on the end of your seat, especially in the last, I'll say, 30 minutes of the movie, you oh. need to check out Zodiac, directed by David Fincher. See, I told you <laughs> another David Fincher movie was going to come up on this list. There really should be a lot of David Fincher movies on this list. In fact, there were so many when I was looking at it. I was like, man, I could just do my entire top five of David Fincher movies uh, that are all thrillers. Uh, but I was like, no, I really like my number one. It's not by David Fincher. So I will mix it up and add some other stuff in here as well. <laughs> so but, four by David Fincher. And then, yeah, I, I thought about that, too. But I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Uh, it's either going to be all David Fincher or just mix it in. And so Zodiac is the story of the Zodiac killer and one man's obsession of trying to track down who the Zodiac killer is. Hint, it's not Ted Cruz or Ted Cruz's father. <laughs> but between 1968 and 1983, this cartoonist character played by Jake Gyllenhaal and also starring Robert Downey Jr. as a mentor, advisor, actual reporter uh, and Mark Ruffalo, who is also trying to track down who. So you've got the Hulk, you've got uh, Iron Man, and then you've got uh, uh, Donnie Darko all in this movie together. Right. And superhero trio. Yeah. I mean, you need a a time traveler. You need a man in in a knight's suit and you need a a Goliath. So there you go. Uh, So this is a story about these guys really trying to put the pieces together over the time period that the Zodiac killer was around. And then when he disappeared and going and interviewing potential suspects. And at one point, 
coming face to face with the person who is in real life almost 99% confirmed as the Zodiac killer, although no arrests were ever made. And I believe this person has died now, but in the last 20 minutes, when Jake Gyllenhaal comes face to face with these two suspects that may or may not be the Zodiac killer, it is on the edge of your seat because Gyllenhaal is just freaking out because he knows I'm going to die or what you may come to realize on the other side of those encounters was these people have probably been approached before and he's just, messing with Hall's character to freak him out, to get him to leave him alone. But it is a, you know, for, for an unsolved crime, uh, unsolved crimes, I should say, Zodiac takes a surprising, good deep dive into that time period of San Francisco, the fear that was brought on by, uh, uh, by the Zodiac killer and just kind of looking at all the facts that are out there and presenting them in the way that points you in a direction that leads you to believe that this person may or may not be the Zodiac Killer in real life. So if you haven't checked it out, it's a long movie. It's it's probably one of the longer. It's it's. I will also say it's a very dry movie of David mm-hmm. Fincher's. And some people may say, well, all of David Fincher's stuff is dry. This one's a little bit more dry because it is just like, here's some facts. Here's some facts. Let's follow these facts. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, to the point where some people not off. Not me. I've seen this multiple times. Uh, my wife... Every time I watch this, she's like, oh, you're watching this Zodiac movie again? I'm like, yeah. And I'll sit there and watch it. And then, you know, in the last 30 minutes, she's like, she's been tuned out the entire time. The last 30 minutes, she just comes right in and she's just like, oh, no, get out of the house. Get out of the house. And it's like, oh, you know, that's (laughs) when your movie is really good when it can it can freak my wife out. So uh, David Fincher might be I won't I can't say for sure that it's my wife's favorite director, but it's certainly one that brings uh, a lot of uh, reactions from her uh, anytime she watches one of her films. And that's why Zodiac is uh, my number two. Nice. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen that one all the way through. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, it gets really dry, especially in the middle where uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's marriage is breaking up and he's like, well, I'm not going to follow this anymore. And then a, a lot of spoilers for a 2007 movie, uh, Robert right. Downey's junior characters uh, dies from, I think, uh, you know, from too much drinking Mark Ruffalo's so, yeah. character. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo's character uh, is no longer a cop by the time the end of the movie happens. So really, the only character that keeps driving this is Jake Gyllenhaal. And so you have to get through that kind of like, you know, the first, I would say the first third is very exciting and the last third is very exciting. It's that middle third that kind of gets a little dry as you punch through it. But if you like Zodiac then you probably would get a big kick out of the David Fincher series on Netflix about uh, tracking down all the serial killers. I forget what the name of that one is off the top of my head, but uh, it's, it's very, it's very good as well. And you can see that Zodiac is the prototype for that, for that television series. It's cool. Yeah. 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 There was another movie around the same time that I've conflated that one with. And now I can't remember what it was. Yeah. And I, I'm trying to think of what that is too. It's kind of like the prestige had the same, had the yeah. same issue. Like uh, we had that, we had the deep impact and then mm-hmm. the Armageddon around the mm-hmm. same time. Yeah. 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 Or maybe the day after tomorrow, one movie that did not have a parallel film. And uh, it's interesting because I did not realize until this very moment uh, 1994's The Crow, starring the son of the star of my number four film, uh, Brandon Lee. Um, the Crow is unbelievable. I'm sorry. People will say to you, The Crow is maybe a, a so-so film. Stephen may even say it now. But I want you to know that if you were around in 1994, 
if you read the comics, it's probably eh, meh. If you're around in 1994, you're like, yeah, I can kind of feel that. But if you really just sit down and put yourself in the headspace of being a 23-year-old Generation Xer and seeing, oh, here's this movie on the screen. And it's, it's at a time when we're still afraid of superheroes. You know, we're post-Batman, but we're in that uh, we have to do the Phantom and we have to do the Shadow. We can't do a flat-out Iron Man or we can't do something that's overtly a superhero film. So we sit down, we put together this movie, and then, of course, major complications ensue. The main character, uh, actually, the actor died during the promotion of the film, or the production of the film, rather. And they had to find a way to finish the film without actually having their main actor. And at the time, there were questions, is that tawdry? Is that weird? Is it something where you know they intended it to be a tribute, but does it actually come off as creepy? I don't know about any of that, but I do know that if it's on, I'll sit and I will watch The Crow from top to bottom, simply because there's not a performance in it that is not memorable. They may not all be on the same page. (laughs) Some of them don't seem like Bai Ling does not belong in this movie, but boy, does she act her heart out. And when you finally get to the end of the film and you get the moment where the thing happens and then the screen goes to black and it just says for Brandon, I dare you to not have goosebumps. And again, this is a film that I didn't necessarily even think of. Is this a thriller? But Wikipedia tells me it is. And so watch the crow 1994, just sit and watch it. Go right now. I I just find this so amusing. Every time you say it's on Wikipedia. So therefore it's true because every time I quote Wikipedia, you're like, well, you can never trust anything on Wikipedia. So, uh, I I find that uh, very interesting. Here's the thing. That's you. We're talking about me. All right, so here are five. Here, are, if if we were, if I was doing a David Fincher list, here are the things that I could put down as David Fincher thrillers. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven definitely would be on that list. I recently saw Seven and sat down and just watched all the way through for the first time in forever. Really holds up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. Uh, really holds up. The game with uh, Michael uh, Douglas in it uh, is one that people like to dismiss, but it's really, really well done. That's like, that's just the world's dangerous game, isn't it? Was Alec Baldwin in that? No, I don't remember if Alec Baldwin is in that or not. This is the one where it's his birthday and his uh, brother is played by Sean Penn is like, I'm going to get you the best birthday present ever. And then proceeds to have him uh, intimidated, just increasingly making him paranoid to the point Mm -hmm. where uh, this game that you set up really profiles the target of the game. In this case, it's Michael Douglas. And knows everything about you that they can craft something to guide you into a direction that you may or may not want to go. In this case, they're guiding him to want to jump off the top of a building to kill himself, which ends up being, oh, this was all part of the game so that you could arrive just in time for your birthday party. And that is the that's the whole setup. It's really, really well done. Uh, So uh, the game goes on there. Fight Club goes on there. If you haven't mm-hmm. seen Fight Club, you definitely need to check that out. Zodiac, and then uh, either the girl with the dragon tattoo or the one that I've already uh, mentioned, uh, Gone Girl, uh, mm-hmm. would go on there as well. Non Mind Hunter was the TV series that I was uh, mentioning uh, that s- seems very similar to Zodiac, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, TV- so that's a TV series. One that's not a thriller that's also a very good David Fincher movie is Mank. Uh, so you want to go check that out? It's over on Netflix, but. 
those would be five thriller movies just in the David Fincher category. But that uh, had to be shoved aside because my number one was all about cosmic horror seen through the eyes of black characters who Lovecraft was his, was not historically notoriously a uh, giant racist. Even the racists of his time would look at his stuff and go, hey, uh, Lovecraft, I think you're a little racist. Um <laughs> Yeah. And so what's interesting about taking a lot of the cosmic horror stuff that is wrapped up in racism is characters like Victor LaVale or in this case, Jordan Peele, taking that racist horror and turning it back around and showing how those characters can win in the end. Of course, I'm talking about the movie Get Out from 2017, where a young black man goes to his white girlfriend's uh, parents' house uh, in the country for the weekend. And uh, the parents are all like, oh, yeah, we're totally down with black people. If I could have voted for Obama a third time, I would have. And at the same time, uh, we start to discover weird things going on with some other black people in uh, that work for the parents, the maid and the groundskeeper. And we end up finding out that it's a whole brain transplant thing where Black people, young, beautiful black people are being kidnapped and uh, old white people's brains are being transplanted into their bodies so that they can, number one, live longer, but also because the cool thing right now is black. And so these people want to be uh, cool. And so they think that that means they need to be inside black bodies. Uh, it's very disturbing. I think this is one that you can watch multiple times and get different takes on each one. Uh I think the best way to watch Get Out is to watch Get Out just in one sitting uh, and then immediately watch Get Out again with the director's commentary where Jordan Peele goes through and talks about here are the themes. Here's what I was thinking of. This is why we did this. It's an even greater insight into the things that you thought you were figuring out in the movie. But then he adds either confirmation or just blows your mind with even more information you hadn't even thought about as you're watching these scenes. So Get Out is by far one of the best thrillers that is out there. And that's why it's number one on my top five thriller list. That is an amazing movie and perhaps the best movie with the same plot as uh, Emilio Estevez Free Jack that you will ever find. Uh, kind of a little bit. It's um, <laughs> the, the closest thing that I would probably say if I was had to point to a specific Lovecraft story. Uh, mm-hmm. That this seems to uh, borrow heavily from. So not only do you get brains in a jar, but there is a, a short story called The Thing on the Doorstep. And mm-hmm. it is about and ins- it's it's really kind of freaky. But this man falls in love with this woman and, you know, everything is going fine until one day she's like, I don't want to see you anymore. And her father is acting very strangely. And then her father disappears And, you know, this is all told through flashback because that's how Lovecraft tells most of his stories. Uh, But the what ends up happening is he finds out down in the basement of the the ancestral home is the daughter's decaying body. And he realizes, oh, my gosh, the father has transplanted his brain into the young daughter's body so that he can continue to live. And he wants. And so the. This kind of gets into um, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina territory, where yeah. now the father wants to get married to the boyfriend so that they can reproduce so that he has a lineage of being able to transfer the brain into the next person uh, down the line. And it is it's creepy and it's horrible. 
and it's fascinating. It's it's probably one of the scariest, grossest Lovecraft prose stories that I've ever read, and I've you know read them all uh, just because of the things that show up on the doorstep and uh, just this horror of there's probably incest you know going on on in this as well. But that right. seems to be the brain transplant seems to be the key element that kind of always gets me to think, oh, yeah, uh, get out is very much that thing on the doorstep. So if you want to read that, then then go for it as well. So that, there you I go. Might. that sounds like it might be my jam. Yeah, yeah, it's re- it's really freaky. So uh, go check that out. Matthew, what do you have for your number one? My number one is a movie that I feel is overly maligned. Uh, it is a movie that gets you already did. Bad. Uh, the, the, uh, (laughs) I don't ask for much in life, my friend, but I do ask that you not be mean during my entire top five, (laughs) but my number five is actually another one by a creator that I really enjoy. Uh, weirdly, the creator is actually the guy who made singles, uh, the guy who made say anything, the guy who made Jerry Maguire and fast times at Ridgemont high. And none of these are movies that you would say are a thriller. And yet, when Cameron Crowe made 1997's Vanilla Sky, something changed. And I understand what people don't like about Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky is a movie that emulates, in a very real way, a dream. So it's almost like your friend is telling you the pointless dream that she had And it's just this, oh, yeah, it was like our house, but it wasn't our house. And then there was a grocery store, and it was just like, whoa, and everything was weird. But it's also really, really amazing if you sit and just watch this movie all the way through. And then you get to the end, and the big twist happens, and you realize that the big twist has been there all along. Like, literally, in one of the first scenes of the movie, they tell us what the big twist is. The first line of the movie if you read it literally tells us what the big twist of the movie is. And of course it has Penelope Cruz, uh, not related to Tom Cruise, although I think they dated. They did date. But yeah, yeah Penelope Cruz is <sighs> something about Penelope Cruz in this movie. Uh, I am a sucker for a manic pixie dream girl movie. And Penelope Cruz is like the, the patron saint of the manic pixie dream girls, but especially here, it also has, you know, Cameron Diaz doing her crazy, crazy thing that really works. And it's one of the places where I look at Tom Cruise and I go, yeah, Tom Cruise, you you have this. You got this. You know what you're doing. I feel like you understood the assignment, which is rare for me because, again, I'm, I'm not a Cruise fan. Uh, people my age are like, oh, Top Gun was amazing. Eh, you know, do the right thing was kind of all right. Oh, no, excuse me all the right moves do the right thing was an entirely different film, but vanilla sky just builds and builds and builds and it ratchets up the tension. And you have this moment where the main character freaks out and seemingly attacks people. And then somehow he ends up deformed and it's very, very much this horror movie styling. And then you get to the end and everything just clicks. Uh, It has probably the role of Kurt Russell's life. Uh, basically playing Atticus Finch, which I feel like Kurt Russell is born to be a modern day version of uh, Gregory Peck. I think that was Gregory Peck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And it gets to the end of the film. And there is a moment in this film that never, ever fails to give me goosebumps. A character says something to the effect of the observers are already here. And he spikes the camera and he looks you right in the eyes. And then Tom Cruise turns and spikes the camera and looks you right in the eyes. And I'm like, oh, now I can see why actresses marry him when they're 33 and then realize something is wrong and run screaming into the ether. But for that moment, you're just like, yeah, sure. I'd marry Tom Cruise. Um, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to spoiler all of it. Um, you probably already know from what I've said, but here's the thing you need to do. You need to watch this. If only to see Jason Lee, who uh, got his break, I think got his start uh, with uh, Kevin a- Smith. No, as a skateboarder. He was a big old skateboarder with (laughs) his his acting. Oh, his acting thing. Okay. Yeah, his acting start, Mallrats with uh, Kevin Smith. And I feel like like Jason Lee is part of the Kevin Smith um, players, you know, the, the retinue of players that Kevin Smith leans on. And I think with the exception of Ben Affleck and maybe Joey Lauren Adams, he's probably the one who broke out most mainstream. And this film will show you exactly why he's not in it a lot, but when he's in it, he is electric. Um, also, if you have seen it and you hate it, don't tell me why you hate it. I don't care, but you know, it's got Johnny Galecki in it. You like Johnny Galecki. Uh, it's got your Tilda Swinton in it. You like Tilda Swinton. I'm just saying you should watch vanilla sky, give it a chance. And then if after that you think it's terrible, then you and I, we will find a different bridge. We'll take, put our swords away. We'll each walk opposite directions, having met and discovered that neither of us is superior samurai. Yeah. Uh, he was in some music videos before Mall Rats, but that is his first like feature film. His, his first job. Yeah, job. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. When he's not gracing the cover of uh, skateboard magazines from the 1970s and early yeah. 80s. Uh, probably the 80s. He's yeah. not that old. Uh, he was, I think, one of the youngest. Him and, uh, Tony Hawk, I think, were the two youngest of that batch of um, uh, whatever they called the skateboard dogs or whatever that they were called. Skate, skate, skate dogs. They were skate yeah. dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we have given you a list of movies for you to go track down and watch between now and next week. If uh, that's too much for you, but you have your own list of thriller ideas, then you know where to go. It's over into the Major Spoilers Discord server. You can join it absolutely for free. You can then jump into the top five uh, channel and you can share your top five list. Everyone else is going to share their top five list. You know why? Because everyone should be supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Major Spoilers. The only reason why this show is around today is because of our fine patrons over at Patreon.com slash Major Spoilers. A couple bucks a month, two bucks, five bucks. Tell you what. Go for a full year, pay in advance, get uh, two months free. Yeah. There you go. Pay for a full year, get two months free. That's what happens when you join the growing community of top five fans over at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Why? Because everybody loves our Patreon and everybody loves a list. This podcast is copyright 2023 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. 